I'm Lee Henson Hasty, the Senior Director of Theological Education Funds Development. I'm at the Presbyterian Foundation and work alongside the Committee on Theological Education uh, to support future ministers. And um, that's been my life work for a short time, but it's been Daryl's life work for a longer time and has made an influence across the country and a number of institutions. But really, it's about the relationships and the cohorts of folks that he has hosted. I think if I ask people out there who knew them, if they've been in his home, um, everybody would raise their hand. Every time we drive through Cherokee Gardens, Daryl, we think of, of you and Judy and being hosted in your home with, with an introduction to practical theology cohort. <laughs> I don't know if you remember um, yeah. that place. And um, just so glad to have you here. We'll post a link to a bio, a full bio of Daryl. But uh, let me just say he served at Whitworth uh, University. He was academic dean there. Uh, he served at Louisville Seminary. That was um, in, in, um, in the 1990s um, at Columbia Theological Seminary. And then he was at Princeton Seminary, um, where he served also as the academic uh, affairs dean, uh, dean of the faculty, three Presbyterian seminaries. You know, we have Louisville Union and uh, McCormick in our family, but we weren't on the faculty at all those places, Daryl. <laughs> and... Um, very engaged still teaching with the Center for Missional Leadership um, at, at St. Andrew's Hall. He's involved with the Macedonia, Macedonian Ministries. Um, I mean, we could go on and on. He's been on staff with Young Life, um, and he's a, a accomplished theologian and translator. He could probably do this whole conversation in German, um, and uh, unfortunately, I can't. My son is learning German. I don't know if I share Great. that with you. <laughs> so um, say hello to everyone and tell them where you're calling in from today. Well, we're retired now. We have been for several years, although I would say I'm still trying to figure out how to do it. <laughs> but we have relocated from Princeton to in retirement to Seattle, and we're living right in the center of the city. Actually, a, a few minutes walk from some of the sites of demonstrations. Okay. Uh, it's been a part of our life in the last several days as well. But we're enjoying very much life in the center of the city. This is where we've decided to stay. We have one family here, one son and daughter and kids. And we Good. want to be close to at least one of them. And they're all otherwise coast to coast. And I, I think I may not be mistaken. I think it may be important and people won't be surprised. You're involved in a new church uh, plant there, a union church. Is, is that right? We've begun to get to know several congregations, and one of them is Union Church, which is a really fascinating church plant. We've become friends with the leadership there, and uh, we can actually walk there from our home, which beautiful. we like very much. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. So I see John Frankie joining us, Barry Ensign George, Rex Espiritu, uh, lots of good friends. Glad to have you here. Thanks. Yeah, put your comments or your um, you know, questions and, and just let us know you're there. Say hello. That would be great. Let me start my uh, start our conversation first uh, with how I often do with about your call, which is um, we're called and claimed in our baptism and sent out for service. You could probably say it in your own way. And, and I love, uh, you know, Howard Thurman talks about our call as the uh, what is making us come alive because what the world needs is people who are coming live or Katie Cannon is the work your soul must have. And particularly in these moments or, or as it's, as your vocation is developed, um, how would you uh, describe your vocation, Daryl? 
Well, I knew from a very early age that I was going to go into ministry. I think my first vision of ministry when I was still a grammar school student was a mission field in the South Pacific. Very romantic and exciting. I had the island all picked out. <laughs> but blue blue realized, oceans, I'm guessing, blue oceans. <laughs> yes, the whole, whole nine yards. I uh, uh, really had it refined for me that I, I was called and I wanted to be involved in educational ministry. And uh, I thought that meant I would probably be a director of Christian education in a church somewhere. I ended up being on a church staff four years of my total ministry, but I have been doing educational ministry all of these years now, 50 years. Uh, and what it finally became clear as was when I came to Louisville and came on the faculty as professor of mission and evangelism, that my vocation was mission. And missiology was the discipline that I was supposed to teach. Uh, missiology in the service of the formation of leadership for the church. And uh, I like to tell my students that I figured out what I would be when I grew up, when I turned 51. And that's when I realized, looking back over several decades, that everything I had ever done mm. fed into the teaching and the working, the, the work on, on, uh, on education, on formation. And so that's what I would now say. I'm a missiologist and my vocation is equipping leadership for the church. That's beautiful. Uh, and you've certainly done that. I mean, the, um, just in response to the September announcement, um, uh, which I haven't even said yet. Um, so the Committee on Theological Education recognizes um, one or two people at each General Assembly with the Award for Excellence in Theological Education for Distinguished Service. And, and you are one of those honorees. Unfortunately, today we're doing it virtually. We can't be together. Um, but it's because there were folks across the church who told us um, how you lived out that vocation and had continued to in beautiful ways. I know I experienced it, many friends, and we've just heard a, a chorus uh, of uh, voices lifting up um, praise and thanksgiving um, for, for your ministry and that call. So thanks, thank God, right, <laughs> for, for that call. And um, I see James Noken and Kurt Helmke. That was a student with me. Hello, Kurt, Betty Sandy. Um, are joining us. Excited to see this um, today. Um, so that that was in 1991 when you came to Louisville Seminary, professor of evangelism and global mission. Um, and you were, um, I think that's encouraging for people. You were, you were not, you were in, uh, had already been at Whitworth. You'd already been the chair of the Committee on Theological Education, um, right? Um, as an elected representative. There is, by the way, we could spend the rest of the time talking about the story of taking uh, groups from uh, leadership from the Committee on Theological Education to Central and Eastern Europe. I've heard stories about that. Uh, maybe we can talk about sometime. But um, you've really, uh, it was in that midday and midlife of your ministry that it became clear that mission uh, was central to, to your call. And And what happened then? Is that when some of your your scholarship in that area started or what was happening? When I came to Louisville Seminary and under the good offices of, of John Mulder, the president, I was put in touch with a, a network that had just begun to work and emerge, which John knew about, he knew about everything. And it, <laughs> right. it was a group of people who were taking up the, the legacy, the mandate of, of Leslie Newbegin and taking it across the Atlantic into the United States, asking the question, if we have become post-Christian, in our formerly Christian cultures, 
how do we as a church become again a missionary church? Right. And that focused itself as a question for me, my very first term uh, teaching at Louisville. The textbook that we introduced to that term was, had just appeared by David Bosch, Transforming Mission. And uh, all of this led to uh, the, the process that generated this book called Missional Church, which uh, I was working on the whole time I was at Louisville, and we published it shortly after I moved to Columbia and uh, the rest is history. It came out in 1998. Wow. Um and and there's been more there have been other books in this same in this same area that you've published i know um the um the uh the continuing conversation the church evangelism as the heart of ministry um there was a bible study how shall we witness faithful that was for the general assembly right for the general assembly um uh, as a bible study for the general assembly among others. And in the middle of this, you're doing all this translation work, especially on Karl Barth. And I wonder, that may be not, not something I know, the connections between sort of your Bardian uh, learnings toward this missional uh, right. moment. How, how, what is that connection? I would uh, say I was a kind of second generation Bardian. I, mm -hmm. I was influenced by people who were influenced by Bard. Right. Theological study, but I didn't have an intense personal encounter with his work right. until I was on sabbatical in 1995 in Tübingen, and I discovered the last full volume of the Church Dogmatics, and I discovered Bart's uh, magnificent ecclesiology that comes around the theme sentence: "The vocation of the Christian is is witness." Mm. And that became for me kind of the electrifying theme that I began to explore further, and so. I, my, my, my persuasion grew that Bart is basically a theologian of the church's mission, but very few Bardians know that. <laughs> See, you've got to read the last volume and the last chapter. But it's a, it's a bold, exciting, pro pro programmatic statement of the church's vocation as right. witnessing communities, witnessing to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I would say in terms of biblical and theological work, coming to terms with Bart and appreciating how Bart does that and how relevant it is for us in a post-Christendom situation in North America has become kind of the passion of my late life. Right. Uh, I mean, in terms of time. And so uh, I, I'd be quite satisfied to, to, to finish my career uh, saying, I think I understood that section of the church dogmatics. <laughs> well, I love that you continue to be a learner and continue to grow and listen and learn. Um, by the way, one of our co-moderators, Bill Maurice Tronovieri, a former Cody member with us, Corey Slosher-Hall, glad to have you. Um, so, um, yeah, so witness being central to Bardian theology and how that matters matters in the 80s and the 90s and the 2000s and now in the 2020s. Um, why does it? Why do you think it matters now? What is it about that being sent, uh, being that embodiment um, uh, of 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 grace and truth, and how you understand Christ and the church? How does that? Why does that matter? Do you think now, uh, when you when you look around, you're looking down. You said earlier as we were gathering the protest uh, that were just uh, down the street from you over your balcony. <laughs> Right. Well, the, the, the challenge that we're dealing with as we come out of tw almost 20 centuries of Christendom is the fact that the, the, the whole Christian movement in the West 
has, I think, bought into a compromised and reductionist gospel, which mm. focuses upon individual salvation, mm. and the church is the institution mm. that manages that salvation. And what gets lost is what was at the heart of the early Christian movements, first, second, third century, which was the vocation of the church as witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the equipping of every follower of Christ, every person who becomes a disciple, to join the apostolate, to be mm. a sent one, to be a part of the good news for the world. Going all the way back to Pentecost, um, you shall be my witnesses. Right. In Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. So the theological task is to reclaim the centrality of mission, and it's the mission as witness, mm. which I think have, if they are, have been a part of our vocabulary, they've tended to be marginal. Mm. Tend to keep mission, you know, one of the several line items of the church. Right. And, right. Uh, so what we learned from Newbegin and from Bart, and from David Bosch, I would also say from, from John Mackay, is that mission defines both the purpose and the action of the church and it is all wrapped up in this biblical focus upon witness, our vocation to be mm -hmm. Christ's witness. Right. It makes, it makes me think of, um, and I'm a big fan of preaching stories. Uh, I mean, Romans and, and Paul's letters are, there are some stories there, uh, surely, but many of the stories in the Gospels, but also throughout the Hebrew Bible, um, this is not a people inward, you know, at their best, not inwardly focused, but outwardly focused. That's what you're, that's what you're talking about. Like, it's not about what's happening here, although that's important. We need to live a good life together, but it's, we figure out how we live that life together as church when we live it engaged in the world, right? The gathered life of the church is for the sent life of the church. Mm. Bart talks at one time about the life of the church is inhaling and exhaling. Mm, it's that's beautiful. The, vo the vocation, the equipping of the spirit, the vision of the gospel in order in the world to exhale it. And every Christian can do that. Mm -hmm. uh, what we're over, what we're working also is overcoming this idea that there are some Christians who are more important witnesses than others. Every Christian's vocation is witness. And right. every Christian is constantly involved in this process of coming together to be equipped and encouraged to be sent out. That's the rhythm of the church. Right. Um, I'm just checking here to see uh, if there are questions that folks are asking in the thread. And um, I'm not, I don't, I'm, it's a little bit locked up over here. So um, hopefully it'll come through. Um, so, how do we live out, how do you see us living out that witness now when you look around in faithful ways um, and, and going forward? Um, and maybe well, in particular in the Presbyterian Church, but even more broadly, as ev for every Christian, um, you know, what is it that where you see folks engaged and, and living that out in ways that um, you give thanks for? Well, what has gelled for me, and I think for quite a number, including some of the people who are take, sitting in on this conversation today, is the, the discovery of the central significance of Scripture as the Spirit's instrument for the formation of witnessing people, of mm. witnessing communities. I think that's a perspective on the, the authority and, 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 and impact of Scripture on the community that is something to be reclaimed. I think we've lost track of that. I was just introducing the term missional hermeneutics, uh, this understanding of scripture as the spirit's instrument for the formation of witnessing communities. And it's become a very exciting 
endeavor for many of us to learn how to read and grapple with scripture so that it functions as that powerful voice that shapes the gathered community for its vocation. And so this, this is in, in, in a sense how the whole discussion is focusing more and more for me uh, in asking the question, how did the text form God's people for faithful witness then? And how does it do that now? And of course, I, really, I, I want to see our seminaries taking that question very seriously because it's fundamental to the formation of missional leadership. So uh, I'm going to try to repeat that question uh, or describe it because there are most a lot of pastors and church leaders, many who preach, teach, proclaim, um, lead uh, in the church is what I hear is and kind of is a missional hermeneutic that you bring. It's a missional question when you're doing exegesis and study of scripture. It's and when you're also asking other fundamental, even theological questions that this is not some subset of questions, but it's a central question. It's a lens, if you will, into Absolutely. what is going on. So say the question again that you would ask as you went to scripture, the missional question. The, the overarching question, how did this text continue mm -hmm. the formation of faithfully witnessing communities then? Mm -hmm. How does it do that today? Right. Wow, that's, that's important. Um, and back to the where you see that happening where where do you notice you you uh, i mentioned a couple of folks here and they're doing it what um what, what well i know i think you said that john frankie is yes John yes. is just publishing an introduction to missional theology he's been a major figure in the continuing network that is focusing on missional hermeneutics he helps he helps that happen uh i have i'm privileged to know a number of biblical scholars who are taking this missional question into their own scholarship. Um, and I, including colleagues at Princeton, where we had a very fruitful time working together, actually doing missional hermeneutics in the classroom. Mm -hmm. So we would work with students on Philippians, but we do Philippians asking, how did Philippians equip the Philippian church for its ongoing vocation as witnesses in Philippi? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I got a question here from, from Shane Berg, who I think you probably know from hey, Princeton. Hello, Shane. And he's saying, um, what do you think of the name New Worshiping Communities Initiative, what it should be and why, when you talk about New Worshiping Communities? Well, I have argued uh, since we started this, the emphasis on, on new church formation, which I, I'm very enthusiastic about in the Presbyterian Church, but I wish they had said witnessing communities rather ah. than communities. Worship is the central event that defines who we are, but it is not the reason there's church. Wow. The reason there's church is that there should be witness in the world. And yes. worship should be the, the, the point or the, 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 the magnet that draws all of the forms of formation together, but leads us into the world. You know, go into the world, you're sent, is the ancient right. reading of the priest. And right. so... I'm, I'm a, I, I would like us to be talking about witnessing communities for the bigger picture. Right. This, um, I think I've, I've heard you say that, you know, sometimes we, the questions we have are too small. We're just thinking about worship or we're just thinking about bringing one member, you know, or introducing one person uh, to Christ. Um, but you, you were saying this is, this is a broader public 
um, mission. And it's that, cause that's too small. Um, right. it's, it's not ultimately about membership, right? It's ultimately right. about, about the witness, about the, the sharing of God's love, grace, truth, however we define where, so it's expressing our Christology and, and our theology and how we live and, and engage the world. Exactly. I mean, how, a lot of this, I think is the question of, of lay vocation. Mm. How, how does the, the, the Christian man or woman coming out of the congregation after worship on Sunday understand that he or she is entering the world with a flame mm-hmm. on the head, uh, like Pentecost? They, they are now continuing right. as the presence of the witness in the world. Right. All right, I got another question here from Danny Peters. Um, he says his life was changed by Dr. Guter and Ross Wagner's course on missional hermeneutics of second corinthians what was happening there's a pauline letter that's that uh, one of the other classes that we developed and it was very exciting because i in the pauline scholarship there's i mean very little recognition that particularly from chapter three through chapter seven second corinthians is about missional formation it never gets mentioned in some of the major com- mm. commentaries and so yes that was a very exciting class <laughs> that um I'm thinking of um, some theological educators in my life. Um, my father-in-law being one of them, I think you know, and and he he has said, and I think I'm hearing you say this too in a different way, is if we read scripture, it really has something to say, but we have to actually read it and um, and and bring the right questions, bring, you know, good questions to the text, not just read it as, as, um, you know, devotionally, um, I guess. Yeah, I can put another side of this that's been very gratifying is that coming out of this whole discussion of missional hermeneutics, we've developed an ongoing workshop in missional hermeneutics that's a part of the uh, SBL meeting every year. And we have growing numbers of folks who are taking up the, the, the gauntlet and they're, they're right. doing scholarship for the church around the question of missional formation. And uh, I'm, I am very, for me, this is very rewarding because it's a, it's, it's a community of effort very diverse people all over the world and their work is molding together like a great mosaic of, of right. apostolic formation, which I find enormously exciting. That seems like Pentecost right there. <laughs> um, I'm one, so for scholars, that's a gathering. If you are a pastor or a lay person, um, where are the places, the people, um, the resources, um, the, the, um, I'm thinking the Center for Missional Leadership at uh, St. Andrew's Hall, or there may be other, where would you point people to learn more? Your books, I think, also are a great start. I would point to the growing bibliography. I think mm-hmm. there, there's a great diversity of books now appearing that are contributing to this. Michael Gorman, uh, Becoming the Gospel. Mm-hmm. Michael Barham on mission and economic, economic justice. Another classmate of mine. <laughs> classmate of right, he's done very significant work. Right. Um, but I would say you have to do some of the work yourself because the guild doesn't yet buy into this understanding. So you have to find kindred spirits and the literature is there and, and get out and write it. Right. Uh, congregations <laughs> need in, uh, tools. I, right. I did that Bible study for the General Assembly several years ago. It stayed in print for years right. because congregations, that was on that, on that Second Corinthians text. Instead. Right. And well, it was all about missional formation. And I, I think it really met a need. I'd like to see more of that happening. Beautiful. 
Me too. Um, last week, um, I had as a guest Rodney Sadler, who teaches um, Hebrew Bible um, at, um, at or New, New Testament. What is his? He's a Bible professor at Union Charlotte campus, but he also is director of their social witness, um, witness uh, uh, initiative there in reconciliation. And he had a similar message as, you know, we, we need to, and it was about uh, in the midst of uprising, how do we live? What does the Lord require of us? He asked. And it is, it is a witness that is public. And that's what I hear you yeah. saying. It's not a private, there is private witness and there's private things. That's the inhale. I love that image. That's the inhale of the spirit, but that inhale, you can't just hold on to that inhale, of the Holy Spirit. You have to exhale out into the world, right? Yeah. I think they believe we're already at one thirty. We are right. And I'm I'm wondering if you would be willing to share a charge to those gathered um, from across the country and possibly across the world. I don't see everybody out there, but the ones who listen, a charge, a blessing. Um, sure, I, I would I would pass along one of Paul's great missional formation statements. Lead your life worthy of the calling with which you've been called in all forbearance, zealous to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. My prayer for all of you is that you will be excited about the discovery of the missional power of the scriptural word and will continue to, to be an instrument of the spirit equipping the saints for the vocation that we share. Thank you so much for participating. Thank you for this honor. I, I'm Still kind of stunned by it. And God bless you all. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Hallelujah. Amen. And and so grateful for you. Um, and your your fellow awardee, Elizabeth Caldwell from McCormick uh, Seminary, Professor Merita, will be having a conversation with her next week. But you gave a blessing just now. And I see there's a few people, Daryl, if you would hang on, who would like to give a blessing to you. So if you could just hang on here, um, I'm going to share with you just a few people that you may know. Mark Ramsey, Laura Mendenhall, I would like to give honor. Um, please mute uh, Leanne Van Dyke, Lois Barrett, George Hunsberger. The Saints Pentecost is happening, Daryl. Ben. <laughs> Marty Swords. Hello. Uh, Corey Slosher Hall. Oh hey there. Tom Taylor, the president of the Presbyterian Foundation. Um, I thought I got Leanne Van Dyke, who's the president of Columbia. Cindy Coleman, one of our co-moderators. Um, Shane Berg, who was commenting earlier. Here is the holy host, uh, Kurt Helmke. Um, Richard, uh, Richard Topping. Um, Hi, Richard. <laughs> um, I thought I got Corey. Here comes Corey. Um, and you mentioned, uh, we talk, were talking earlier, Sarah Bixler. Mm. <laughs> um, Colin Yuckman. Oh, welcome. John Frankie. This is everybody. Give a wave to Daryl. <laughs> Shirley Palmer. They're, they're congratulating you. Uh, Michael Barham, you mentioned his book just a moment ago. Um, uh, Ross Lockhart, um, uh, a colleague here, um, Barry Ensign George, I believe that's him. It says Theology and Worship. <laughs> um, and there may be others who join us. 
Let's all say surprise. Surprise. You've praying for the gathering of, of Christian witnesses, and here they are, at least a few of them. If, 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 if there would not be yeah. enough room on the screen if we added everyone. Surprise. I love it. And so um, I'd like I'd like to um, invite a few of them to offer um, a prayer. A t- oh, Craig Barnes. Did I get Craig Barnes? Is he? Yeah, there he is. Um, and Craig, actually, I'll reach out to you first. I've invited a few of them if they would be willing to offer a prayer of thanksgiving for your ministry, um, a prayer directed to God, but also in thanksgiving for you. So, Craig, you want to unmute if you, yes. Daryl, I'm wearing a jacket in my home office only because I knew you would be. <laughs> <laughs> you know me well. Hi, Earl. Wonderful. Hey, Daryl, how are you? What a surprise. <laughs> this is a surprise. <laughs> All right. I'm going to just mute you for a second and then uh, go ahead, um, Craig. Let us pray. Holy God, we give thanks to you for Daryl Guter. We give thanks that you made him smart and compassionate, which is such a rare combination of gifts. We give thanks that you gave him a devotion to you and to your mission for the church. We give thanks for his parents who raised him in the faith for Hollywood Presbyterian Church that set his life on a trajectory, a vocation, We give thanks for his teachers who poured the deep theological tradition into his head and his heart. We give thanks for his many students who have caught his vision and have multiplied it by taking it out into churches and to classrooms around the world. We give thanks for the schools where he has left a lasting influence for Whitworth University and for Louisville, Columbia, and Princeton Theological Seminaries. We give thanks for the legacy of his presence there that will always remain. We give thanks for his many books on the missionary God and the call to be of service to this mission that will continue to teach and guide the church for generations to come. We give thanks for Judy, who was his constant love, collaborator in work, partner, who kept his feet on the ground and his face turned towards you. We pray that you will continue to provide for him a future filled with hope and in the days ahead still unfold more of your own mission for his life. We ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. He has served all of his days. Amen. Amen. And um, since he previously served at Columbia Seminary with Laura Mendenhall, I'm going to ask you, Laura, if you would all offer a, a word. I'd be delighted to. Let's pray. Holy God, we thank you for the gift of Daryl Gooder. I remember the day that he came into my office and told me that Princeton Seminary was setting up a whole new missiology department and asking him to be head of it. And I knew that he was leaving and my heart was so sad. 
Oh God, you remember how devastated I felt trying to imagine a faculty conversation without his voice and the devastation that I knew students would feel as he parted from us. But, oh God, you put it in Daryl's heart to recommend to us that we call Steve Hayner to come and teach the courses Daryl had taught. We did talk to Steve, he did come, he did teach, and then he followed me as president. And so, thanks to you, Daryl's influence continued among us. I also thank you, God, that those students were um, determined to stay with Daryl Gooder and they didn't care where he went, they just stayed in touch with him. And so I give thanks that one of those students is now my pastor. And so gracious God, I give you thanks for Daryl Gooder and his dear wife, Judy, and for their continuing influence, teaching all of us how to be a missional church through Jesus Christ, the one in whose name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Laura. And um, Tom Taylor, the president of the foundation, would you like to offer a brief word? Let's unmute you. <laughs> Am I muted? You're good now. <laughs> All right, good. Let's pray. Thanks. Lord God, I think about people of a variety of ages that have come up to me over the years, and they've told me about something that's just burning in their heart, a passion that they've come to believe and live and know. And as I've talked to them further, I learned that it was your servant, Daryl, that put that in their heart. It changed their life, and they began to change the world from it. We're so grateful, Lord, for your faithfulness to each one of us, your faithfulness to Daryl, but we're really grateful for his faithfulness back, Lord. Lord, I, I'm so grateful for the ways in which he's impacted not only students and folks here in the United States, but around the world as well. I pray for those people that he influenced, even as a student pastor when he was still back in Germany, Lord, that they might be uh, people who continue to light the fire uh, on that continent of the love of Christ and the gospel of God. For all the many ways in which, Lord, you've touched so many of us, Daryl has touched so many of our lives with helping us to sharpen the focus of the telescopes that we're looking down as we're looking not just around us, but on down the road. We're so grateful, Lord, that he's given us such incredible clarity on what it means to be missional and what it means to look forward and to get outside of our familiar walls and who we are and who we need to be and start thinking about who's not with us and why we need to think about the gospel being so critical for them, just like it is for us. Thanks, Lord, for all the ways in which Daryl's influenced my own life through his writings, Lord, through his humble spirit, his example. Uh, we're just so grateful to be together in his presence and to be able to just honor him today and that you're in the midst of it and that in all of his life, he's been a living model of saying that yours really is the glory, yours is the power, yours is the kingdom. And I pray we'll do the same in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Tom. And we have a few others, but I'm going to, since this is a little more private, I'm going to go off of Facebook, but everybody stay here with me with Zoom. And um, 
others who are out there who want to hear more will share some of this later, but thank you for joining us. Um, but those on the Zoom call, please stay. Uh, peace be with you, Facebook followers, and, and uh, thanks be to God. Um, I'd like to also invite um, uh, some folks who are more uh, working with him more closely in recent days, and one is from, um, uh, from Atlanta. I don't know if he's in Atlanta right now, but with Macedonian Ministries, Mark Ramsey. Would you be willing to offer Thanksgiving? Sure, absolutely. Let's pray. God, I give you thanks for Daryl's life and for his witness, for his love of you and his love in pointing us to love the world that you so love and have come to redeem. Give you thanks that we constantly quote him and remember his wisdom and use it as our guide in our work and for the scores and scores and scores of pastors and leaders and scholars who have his words inside them as they attempt to serve you. We give you thanks that he never never relents in reminding us that we are to be called to be witnesses and that he never lets us forget that we are gathered to be sent. God, give you thanks for all of Daryl's formidable gifts and how he continues to use those so vitally up to this very moment. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. And I know each of you could share a prayer, but I'd like to have at least one more. And then I have a little special treat, private uh, preview of a video uh, that we'll be premiering tomorrow to honor Daryl. Um, but I'd first like to um, reach out. Oh, actually, two, two more really quick. Uh, one in um, uh, Ross Lockhart, who's with the Center for Missional Leadership, St. Andrews Hall. And then Earl Parmar, if you get ready, you're going to close us out. So, um, uh, Ross? Yeah, Lee, thank you so much. What an honor it is to be here, uh, both at St. Andrews Hall and my colleague Richard Topping across the street at the Vancouver School of Theology. Friends, let us pray. Eternal God, we bless you that through Daryl's teaching, preaching, and writing, you have brought forth flourishing of Christian witness in all the corners of your beautiful creation. We praise you for who you have made and fashioned Daryl to be over the years, for his wisdom, curiosity, compassion, humility, good humor, and courage, we say thanks, for his cheerful and encouraging manner as a colleague that sparks joy in others, we are grateful, for his love of Judy and the way their life together reflects Christ's tender care, we give you praise for his enduring witness in these active years of retirement and participating in the continuing conversion of the church, our hearts are full of grace and gratitude. Oh God, grant Daryl and Judy grace, we pray in the years ahead, with good health and humor, that they might accept your gifts joyfully and continue to use them generously to your glory and praise through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Oh,